0: We've been looking at The Enviable Life. It's a title I gave to this series on the Beatitudes. I want us to, uh, and just before I do that, I need to make an announcement because of the banquet we're having next week, we need to clear out all the chairs in the auditorium. And so Carlos would really appreciate if I could have... um, maybe a dozen strong guys. It's amazing when I say I really need a dozen strong guys, all of a sudden all the guys show up. Uh, I I need strong guys uh, to help us move the chairs. Ladies, you could help us too. Uh, We need to take all these chairs, stick them in the multi-purpose room next week, uh, next door, so that we can set up the banquet tables during the week for our banquet on Sunday. This whole place will be completely transformed. It'll be great. So I appreciate everyone who could give us a hand real quickly uh, straight after the service. Thank you. I've been preaching on the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are attitudes. They are mindsets, perspectives towards life that really reflect the mindset of God, the heart of God the more you study the Beatitudes, the more you will see that in them you see the character of God, God's disposition, God's attitude, God's approach to us as human beings. And what's really interesting about the Beatitudes amongst the many things that we have found over the last few weeks, and I'm concluding the series today, is how they start and how they finish. And if Matt, if you would help me, and if we could go to Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 1. I know I don't have that in my notes, but let's just have a look at how this starts, because today we're going to look at how it ends as well. In Matthew chapter 5, Uh starting at verse 1, Jesus is, the crowds are following him, his disciples are following him, and they sit down. He sits down on the side of the mountain to start to teach them. And out of that flows these Beatitudes. And so now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him. How many of you consider yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ? Amen. Disciples are ones who are disciplined. In other words, they take the teachings of that teacher and they allow his teachings to to discipline them, they become the disciplines of their life. In other words, the foundations, the precepts, they start to model their lives based on the disciplines or the principles that he taught. And so today, and for the last uh, seven, eight weeks, we as disciples have gathered together and we've sat listening to Jesus's heart. He began to teach them, and he said, and we go straight into the first beatitude. Now, I've already preached these beatitudes. I've already told you that the word beatitude isn't in Scripture. It comes from the Latin. It means to be extremely blessed, to have the favor of God on you. And I've pointed out from the beginning that when we model these attitudes, when we allow our mind to take on the perspective that heaven has, we line ourselves up with the flow of God's blessing and God's favor. Now, I have God's blessing purely by the fact that I am a child of God. I am born again. I am a son. I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ. But every one of us here knows that as sons, we can sometimes be stubborn. As sons, we can sometimes get off track. As sons, we can be at times a little rebellious. I need the word of God to give me a checkup from the neck up. I need the word of God to keep me lined up. And what I love about the Beatitudes is that It's constantly reminding me what God's heart looks like. It's constantly showing me how I need to deal with myself and how I need to deal with other people around me. How many of you agree dealing with yourself's not half the issue? The problem is everybody else. That's not true. The Beatitudes teaches us how to get our heart in right perspective, and teaches us what is the right heart attitude to have towards others. And so I'm going to do a quick summary. At the end of the service today, uh, <clears throat> I don't normally do this, but again, I, I, I wrote up a summary, and if you want a copy of the notes, you can get them. They're here at the front. Um, but very quickly, here's a summary Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And every week as I've preached on one of these Beatitudes, I've taken what Jesus said, and at the end of my sermon, I've put it into layman's terms, simply put. So I'm going to read the simply put. I'm going to read the Beatitude, and then I'm going to read the simply put. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, simply put, happy. Blessed to be envied, supremely blessed, fortunate, well-off, are those who aren't proud, obnoxious, or arrogant. But rather, they are humble, and they put no value on who they are in the flesh, because they understand that in the flesh we're all broken. And if they can take pride in anything, It's only in who they are in Jesus Christ. They understand they are who they are only because of God's goodness and grace towards them. And they will walk in the realm of God's presence and power. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is now. It's his presence and its power. Yes, a day is coming where the kingdom will physically come down from heaven and be on earth. For a thousand years, right after Armageddon, Jesus will rule on earth for a thousand years. The enemy will be locked up. But even after that, eventually, a new Jerusalem will come out of heaven and come down to earth. And the heavens that at the moment are filled with principalities of darkness will be wiped away. And our heaven and God's heaven will be as one. The earth will be his resting place. And he will walk on the earth in the cool of the day just like he did with Adam and Eve. I'm looking forward to that day. How many of you are looking forward to that? Absolutely. But blessed are those who don't get prideful, obnoxious, who are full of themselves. But remember, Who they are in Christ, and remember, it's only because of Christ. And when we maintain that kind of an attitude in life, it will adjust and affect our attitude towards people as we run into them or have run ins with them throughout life. This is the goal setter, it sets the goalposts and keeps us focused. Matthew 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And we found that the word mourning there has to do with not just being sorrowful, but the ability to have empathy. And so simply put, happy, blessed, to be envied, supremely blessed, fortunate, well-off. And by the way, this is the uh, uh, Strong's definition of what it means in the Greek when Jesus said Blessed are. All of these words, fortunate, well off, are those who can mourn, empathize, feel what others are feeling when they are hurting, to the point of being moved to action on the behalf of others. For they themselves will always be accompanied, comforted, protected, and provided for by God's Holy Spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Listen, church, it is important that we understand that God has put us here to empathize with those that are hurting, to empathize with those that are broken. How many of you know that sometimes broken people lash out and hurt you? It doesn't change the fact that we have to look beyond their messed up situation and remember we're not too far behind them either. We remember the first beatitude. We take stock of the second attitude and we learn to empathize. What I love about God is that he looks beyond my brokenness and he sees what got me broken. He sees what got me in the mess. And when we maintain the same heart, attitude, and disposition in life that God has towards us, it makes us people of greater value to the earth and on the earth. Look, I said how this starts and how it ends is really important. It starts with Jesus talking to his disciples. He sits them down he says, this is the beginning of his ministry. And he's setting the code of honor. And he's saying this is how we need to live. But when we get to how this ends, it's only after he goes through all of these attitudes, perspectives towards life, that then he says, you're the salt of the earth. And if the salt loses its flavor, it doesn't have value anymore. You're the light of the world. And if the light's hidden, it can't lead anybody. Do you notice he says all of that after he goes through all of these life-changing perspectives? We're the salt when we maintain the heart, the mindset, and the character of God as we're journeying through life. And so, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are those who can empathize when broken people are reacting and their their arms are thrashing around and they end up hurting you with their words or with their actions. We can either make as big a scene about the hurt we just got, or we can step back into our position in heavenly places and look at... What makes them be the way they are? And empathize with them. You know, if I just complain about how you hurt me and, 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 and that becomes the curtain call, I'll have no positive effect on you. But if in the midst of my hurt that a broken person has just hurt me with, I can empathize with them and see beyond the damage they've just done and see how they've been damaged and love them, I can change me by loving them. I change and I can change them in Jesus' name. Can I get an agreement? Amen. Amen. Blessed are they that can empathize for they will constantly have the spirit of comfort around them as well. Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Simply put, did we lose our screen? Momentarily? Okay. Thank you, Matt. Matt does a great job up the back. By the way, he just won uh, an award for going the extra mile. Uh, Recently, he's been training up some new uh, folks, some of our new folks. Tony has been learning, and uh, soon Omar is going to start training back there. Uh, He's been a one-man team for the last three, four, maybe even five years. He's done a great job. And this month, we've acknowledged Matt for all of his hard work. Amen. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Well, what does that really mean? Simply put, happy, blessed, to be envied, supremely blessed, fortunate, well-off, are those people that when they arrive, they don't forget where they came from and how they got there. For these level-headed people who don't become proud, vain, or conceited in their newfound position of power of the kind of people God can trust with real power and authority. Therefore, they will be the ones who inherit the earth. They will be the head and not the tail. They will govern and lead, and they will be blessed above others. We take this from the fact that God says, there was no one in all the earth as meek as Moses, and meekness... And, and I can't re-preach the sermon. It's there for you to go back to. But we see in the life of Moses that as a young buck coming out of Pharaoh's courts, he took power and used it the wrong way. And it was only in the backside of the desert after encountering God and having numerous experiences with God that he becomes humbled and he has changed to a place where later he could take three million grumbling Hebrew children mm-hmm. through a desert. And how many of you agree? Going through a desert, you'd have reason to grumble. Oh, yeah. And he kept his peace. See, meekness is power with restraint. Restraint. And when you start to get blessed, when I start to get blessed, sometimes it can go to our head and all of a sudden we start to get obnoxious and we're less patient with others. But when we learn the key of meekness, to enjoy the blessing but never forget, we're blessed and never forget where we came from. And maintaining that attitude and level-headedness towards others, then and only then can God trust us with more blessing. Amen. Amen. All right, number five, uh, uh, verse six: Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Simply put, happy, blessed to be envied, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Are those who genuinely live in a way that shows love? honor and respect for God and never want to hurt or offend him and go on to live that way both towards their fellow man and themselves. How do we come to this? What is righteousness? Righteousness, number one, we receive it by faith through Jesus Christ. And I've said all through this series, we start at the finish line. When Jesus said on the cross, it's finished, At that point, everyone who believes on him, immediately their sins are forgiven, their name's written in the book of life, the rap sheet is taken away, we're given a position of righteousness, and we're given the power of righteousness. And I start the race or the journey of life from the finish line. I've already won. I'm already there. I've already arrived. And because God has done all that and he has made us all that, let us live up to what we have attained or received by faith in Jesus Christ. Can I get an agreement? And so we're talking about righteousness. Not a righteousness that you can earn, but a righteousness that comes out of what God has already done in us. The first Adam imputed sin into you the first adam sinned and his sin and disobedience put a sin nature in each and every one of us in the same way that we bore the likeness of the first adam we now bear if we are born again into christ we bear the likeness of the last adam and the righteousness of god is imputed into us the same way a sin nature was imputed into us by the first Adam. I have a righteous nature. It's in me. And if I just focus on the fact that I have already crossed that finish line and I focus on who I am in Christ, my performance will be far above anything I could have hoped for. Amen? So righteousness, having understanding we've already arrived, I am the righteousness of God by faith. Now I'm going to live it. I'm going to impart it. What was imputed to me will now be imparted from my life. Hello? I can impart it. I can live it out because he's already put it in me. Are you hearing me, church? Amen. And so righteousness is being in right relationship with God. Living a life in a way where I don't want to hurt my father. I don't want to offend him. I don't want to offend his Holy Spirit. But also living in such a way where I don't want to offend my my brother, Don here. I don't want to do anything that would hurt him or disadvantage him. But also understanding I need to learn how to love me. And live life in a way where I respect me as well. And I don't do things that will offend me and disadvantage me. And so God's concept of righteousness, all the law and all the prophets hang on one thing. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so to hunger and thirst for righteousness... If I've already received it at the cross, what does it mean? It means simply put. Let's go back to the beginning of simply put. Those who genuinely live in a way that shows love, honor, respect for God and never want to hurt or offend Him and go on to live that way both towards their fellow man and themselves. Those who do this will gorge themselves on the rich and abundant blessings that come from God for walking and living in righteousness and justice. Remember, Jesus sat his disciples down, beginning of his ministry, and he's giving them the code of honor. And at the end of all these beatitudes, he says, this is what's going to make you different. If salt loses its flavor, it's no good anymore. If the light doesn't shine, it has no impact on the world. And so we want to live with the attitudes that are in God's heart. Can I get an agreement? Amen. The Beatitudes are the best attitudes. Hello? Hello? The Beatitudes are the best attitudes. Let's go to the next one, and we're just summarizing these here today. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I love that one. Happy, blessed, to be envied. Fortunate, well-off, are those that remember that they are forgiven because of God's grace and mercy, and they go through life judging others with the same spirit. And the same heart that God judged them with. How many of you think that if we could get the whole world to live this way supernaturally, it would be a better place? Let's see how it concludes here. Simply put, the next screen. For they shall receive mercy, grace, favor, forgiveness, pressed down, shaken together, running out all over the place. Well, wow, I want to. I want to set my life up so that whenever I find myself lacking, I get mercy, grace, favor, forgiveness, pressed down, shaken together, and running out all over the place. I want to predispose. Predispos- <laughs> I want to set myself up. So that if I ever need grace in the future, I'm going to get it in abundance because I show grace to people along the way. Come on, church. You see, as we model ourselves on these beatitudes, and we can, because there's a new nature inside of you. Don't believe that religious garbage that says you're bound to a sinful nature. I'll prove to you from the Word of God that that thing's been circumcised off of you. Do you realize that most Christians have no trouble raising the dead? Do you know what I mean? Most Christians have no trouble raising the dead. You are constantly, or we constantly raise our sinful nature from the dead. The Bible says it's crucified on the cross. And we walk around constantly saying, oh, well, I'm struggling with my sinful nature. No, I'm not. That sucker's dead there's a new nature in me. It's finished. I'm at the finish line. The nature of Christ is in me, and it's in you, and that's why I can do this easily, and you can do this easily. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm doing my best. I'm trying. (laughs) Galen just said, preach it. Thank you, Galen. All right. So, for they will receive mercy, pressed down, shaken together. Blessed are they that are pure in heart, for they will see God. For they will see God. And when we simply put this happy, blessed, to be envied, supremely blessed, fortunate, well-offer, off, those who are sincere. The pure in heart, for those who are sincere, genuine, aren't deceitful don't have ulterior motives in their dealings with other. We talked about transparency when I preached this. You ever, you ever, How do you feel when somebody comes up to you and they, they give you all these reasons why we need to do this? And you can see straight through it, and there's an ulterior motive that really suits them, but they're trying to sell it in a way so that you buy in. How many of you have ever seen that and have been turned off by it? Come on, you ever been turned off by it? Absolutely. And you know what that is? That type of deceitfulness is manipulation and control. You want something from me? Be transparent, put it on the table, let's be honest. Talk openly. Don't try to, you know, manipulate me or get me to do what you want because it benefits you. And so when Jesus talks about blessed are the pure in spirit, he's talking about people who are, they're going to live life not trying to get the best for them. And if I'm trying to get the best for me, I got to hide that from you and try to make you feel like I'm really in this for you. That's a load of baloney, and as Christians, we should not live with that mindset or that heart attitude. Sincere, genuine, aren't deceitful, or have ulterior motives in their dealings with others. Next slide. For their spiritual eyes and ears will be open, and they will see and experience God breaking through in every area of their life. Can I tell you that when we're not pure in heart, when we come to each other and deal with each other with ulterior motives, it's a form of deception, okay? We are trying to blind the eyes and the ears of the other person so that they don't see what our true motive is. And the curse of that is our spiritual eyes become dim and our spiritual ears become deaf. That's why it says when you're sincere, when you're pure in heart, you will see. And you will hear. And you'll see God working in your life. Oh, I want that. Amen? Absolutely, and uh, um, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And I made the statement: Are you a peacekeeper or a peacemaker? And there's a huge difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. And a peacekeeper will just try to, uh, you know, appease things on the surface, sweep things under the rug, make believe everything's okay, and we—it's a facade but we do that because we don't like conflict if you honestly want peace you have to deal with the conflict that's already there a peacekeeper tries to make believe that the white elephant in the room really isn't in the room and that in itself is deception You will never get real peace from that situation. The Antichrist comes with that kind of peace. They will say, peace, 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 and in the end, it's destruction. But a peacemaker is a person who goes to the root of the issue, not accusing, not condemning, even willing to humble themselves and throw themselves under accountability. And so we wrote it this way, simply put, fortunate well-off are those who go the extra mile and make sure that all is well with everyone they're in relationship with. They aren't peacekeepers for convenience sake. They are peacemakers. They leave no stone unturned to pursue and maintain peace through humble and non-accusatory attitudes and honest and sincere communication. In doing so, they leave the enemy no ground to divide and conquer. These people will be known and feared by the enemy as sons of God. Do you know that sometimes as the church, as Christians, we're just as fake as people in the world? And when we don't live like that, we are salt that's lost its saltiness. If you really want to respect yourself, then don't play make-believe. If you really want to respect your brother, oh, I love you, Lynn. But there are issues we haven't really resolved. I love you with the love of Jesus because I don't have enough love in my heart. I want to rip your hair out. Come on, guys. Let's be honest. If the world is going to see something radically different in us, then the radical heart of God needs to be worked into us and come out of us. Can I get an agreement? Amen. Absolutely. Praise God. So blessed are the peacemakers. The the enemy, the devil, will know you as a son of God because you go right to the root of the problem. Listen, don't come to me about something somebody else is doing unless you're willing to go with me to that person and we sit down and deal with it the way Jesus said to deal with it. It amazes me how in... In this century today, we are we have become so much wiser with all of our technology and all of our education, we're so much smarter than Jesus. Because we don't deal with conflict the way the Bible says. We've learned a better way. Do you notice that Jesus said if you if you have something against your brother, or if your brother has something against you, you go to him in private. Don't go to him as a self-righteous person. I forgive you. What did I do? It doesn't matter. That's between me and the Lord, but I, I forgive you. That's rubbish. Don't do that nonsense. Don't be arrogant like that. You go to your brother and say, look, maybe I took it the wrong way, and maybe it's me. You come with Peace. You come taking accountability. You come with an open door that maybe you've misunderstood. And that is the premise to approach every potential conflict. Because it shows that you're not coming to judge or condemn and you're not coming to accuse. You're genuinely coming to do everything you can to right the relationship. Can I get an agreement here? Are you with me? Amen. And that's what the Word of God tells us to do. But we know so much better. Oh, well, I'm going to love you with the love of the Lord. Oh, can I let go now, Jesus? This guy annoys the... Butter right yeah. Right yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Look, we need to change. If we're going to be disciples of Jesus, the power of God is in us to do right. Come on, don't underestimate. You don't just have the, the position of righteousness. You have the power of righteousness. And it is within you, it is within me to be different. Amen. Absolutely. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. And then last week I told you that this last beatitude is the last one for a reason. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. And I ask this question, are you persecuted because of righteousness or are you just reaping what you've sowed? Sometimes what we call persecution, we're just getting back the shortness that we have towards everyone else, the judgmental attitude we have towards everyone else. And this whole issue of persecution is only brought up as the last beatitude after we've gone through all the other attitudes that are in God's heart. And so I wrote here, simply put, happy, blessed to be envied, well off are of those who are persecuted, harassed, laughed at, or belittled, for having genuinely lived righteously. And then in one sentence, I go through every one of those Beatitudes. In standing for what is right, they didn't become proud or obnoxious, but maintain they are who they are only because of the grace of God. Next. They learn to empathize and feel other people's pain to the point of helping where they can. When blessings came their way, they didn't forget where they came from. Therefore, blessings and promotion don't go to their head. As they rise up in their blessings, they remain level-headed and gracious. They seek everyone's best interest without disrespecting or neglecting themselves, and they always put God first. They show mercy and grace when others fail the same way God showed them mercy and grace. They don't hide behind ulterior motives and are always transparent and sincere in all their dealings with others. And they live to be in good relationship with everyone around them, including themselves, righting wrongs and mending bridges through the spirit of humility and love. After... We've lived that way. When you're harassed or persecuted for these reasons, this is what I wrote, you're in good company and you'll be numbered among the great. See this situation from the perspective of eternity. When your 80 or 90 years are done here, you will have the last laugh and the best laugh. You will laugh your way all the way to God's bank of rich rewards and a lifestyle of benefits. God will exalt you higher than anything this crazy mixed up world could have given you. You will receive riches, rewards, and honor that don't fade or disappear. For the rest of eternity, your acts of kindness and graciousness and your lifestyle of righteousness and justice, they will be your medals of honor." And those medals will position you in power and purpose. And you will take your place as pillars in God's governmental system and economy. And you will serve in his courts with privilege. And you will rule in his house with honor. And your home will be where righteousness is normal and everything is always done right where peace is the atmosphere and the rule of every day and your enemies will never be, where everlasting joy will always fill your thoughts and laughter will constantly overtake you and sorrow will not even be a memory. Church, this is not a to-do list of works. I want to say it again. It is finished I'm not trying to be righteous I am recognizing that when Jesus died on that cross and took away my rap sheet forgave me of all my sins and when he chose to give me a position of righteousness he also gave me the power of righteousness he didn't just forgive me and write my name in a book that says I'm going to let you in He forgave me, wrote my name in the book, and said, The same way you were born into the sinful nature of the first Adam, Rob Scarello, now that you are born again, you are born again into the righteous nature of God through Jesus Christ. I believe with all my heart. I don't have to attain righteousness. I have it. God's given it to me. And I believe with all my heart because I really have it. This is not a to-do list. This is the be list. Be who you already are in Christ Jesus. And cause your heart values and your, your priorities and your attitudes to line up with the greatness that is already in you through Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's interesting that after he goes through all of this, and he discusses these Beatitudes, the very next verse, he says, and you are the salt of the earth. You see, we have subheadings in our Bible, and it separates this from the Beatitudes as if it's the next conversation. Excuse me, they didn't get off the mountain yet. This isn't the next day or another sermon. This is the conclusion to the Beatitudes. He said, you're my disciples. This is the code of living. And when you live like this, you will be salt. Salt's greatest value is not that it flavors our food, It's not even that, I don't know if you've noticed, when I put sea salt on a piece of salmon, it pulls the flavor of the salmon to the surface, and my taste buds taste the actual flavor of the salmon more so when I lightly salt it. It's not only that salt enriches or pulls forth the flavor of what you're eating, The greatest value of salt is the fact that salt is one of the contributing factors of civilization. It was the ability to preserve food and keep bacteria and all of those bad microbes out of the food production. When you and I are salt, when we live with this mindset, we're affecting society. We are the reason why the judgment of God hasn't come. When we live like this, our salt starts to flavor everyone else, and it will bring the best flavor out of them and bring it to the surface. Yeah, give the Lord a praise. Sometimes the number one reason why people won't go to church is because of the Christians and the type of Christianity they've seen. And I think that if we demonstrate this kind of Christianity, people will rip the doors off its hinges and they'll want to find Christ. Amen. Yeah. And so we're going to be different as we head into a new year. Don't leave this series behind with 2018. The last Sunday of 2017, God said to me, I'm going to bring my glory into your church. And during 2018, we've seen tremendous things. I've seen things broken off of this church. We've seen tremendous salvations and amazing miracles But we've seen a change, a transformation come into the church and people's lives. I want to position myself for even greater glory in 2019. And if we line up with God's heart, these are God's heart values. And as we, you can take this list today at the end of the sermon. But as you project yourself forward in who you already are in Christ, and allow this to come through you, you and I line ourselves up for the blessings of God to flow through us and flow to those around us. Amen. I am blessed, but I wanna walk in the blessing every day. Can I get an amen? amen. Praise God, come on, let's stay. Praise God. God's good. I want to thank you. Uh, <clears throat> as I've preached this series, you guys have encouraged me a whole heap. Uh, so many of you have come to me with different testimonies or uh, words of encouragement. And i got to tell you, I, I'm flesh just like you. And uh, those things help me. They do. Uh, I need to hear the, that encouragement. And you have brought me great encouragement encouragement in how you have responded to this message. Now, I think any teacher's greatest sense of validation comes when the students pass the exams with flying colors. And so on behalf of Jesus, who preached this message in the first place, on behalf of the Holy Spirit, who I'd like to believe inspired me to break it down in today's English. Let's live in a way that brings great glory to God every day. Every day. Every day. Amen. As we close this morning, nothing can make you right on the inside until you let Jesus come into your heart. Come on, let's put all of our excuses aside. Let's take down the defense system. The truth is, we're all hurt. We're all broken. And we've all sinned. Life can be extremely cruel From our childhood on up. And if we think we've got it all together, think again. Because none of us do. Accepting Jesus, Christianity is not about you adhering to a system of beliefs. That's what religions made it. Christianity is about inviting Jesus Christ into your heart. The world will depict this is a Christian nation, this is a Buddhist nation, this is based on the value systems that people say they believe in. That's not how God determines who is a genuine Christian. What determines our Christianity is whether or not we've come to that place where Jesus was at the cross. Every one of us must come to the cross and meet Jesus there and say, Hey, I get it. I should have been up there. And you died for me. You took the rap for me. And I thank you, Jesus for loving me in my brokenness and loving me in my hurt and loving me in my pain. I thank you for putting up with my pride, my arrogance, my anger, my rebellion. I need you, and I want you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Right now, come into my heart. I accept you. With every eye closed, before we leave, if you've never done that, I'm not asking you to join grace and faith. I'm not asking you to be a member here. I'm asking you to let Jesus in your heart. If you've never done that, raise your hand say, Pastor, I want to do that. Come on. Today, get your heart right. Let Jesus come into your heart. Raise your hand say, I want to ask Jesus Christ into my heart. Thank you, Jesus. If you've walked away from the things of God, you've slipped away, backslid. You want to get right. You want to make that recommitment to Christ. I'm talking to you as well. Just put your hand up and say, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. So close to Christmas and not one unsaved person here. Listen, every one of us right now, we're going to, as we conclude here today, We're going to acknowledge Christ in us, and we're going to live this way. We're going to live this way. We're going to live with the Beatitudes as our attitudes in life. And when we find that we're lacking, we're going to say, Jesus, you're in me, so I can do this. I can do this. You're going to help me love more than I've ever loved. You're going to help me be understanding more than I've ever been understanding. You're going to help me to be gracious the same way you've been gracious to me. Can I get an agreement? Amen. Amen. Amen.